crossroads of empires, battleground of the ages, city of peace and of war. This is Jerusalem, where archaeology uncovers the empires of yesterday, where prophecy decodes the headlines of today. This is where history and prophecy come alive. This is Watch Jerusalem. Hello, welcome to Watch Jerusalem. I'm your host, Brent Noctegal. Thanks for listening in this Sunday, a very important day for Israel. Uh, this is just comes the day before flights start up between the United Arab Emirates and the State of Israel. Flights going from Ben Gurion to Abu Dhabi. This is a, a historic moment where peace has been achieved between an Arab state and the State of Israel, and no doubt Israelis are celebrating, and understandably so, uh, they are celebrating this peace deal. This is one that has been in the making for a number of years. Uh, as the threat of the Iranian regime rises, you have the enemies of uh, those that are on the receiving end of the Iranian regime. You have them banding together at the behest, really, of the United States uh, President Donald Trump. There's a lot of details to, to talk about regarding this peace deal. I'm taking the angle of how it does push along biblical prophecy. This is something that should concern you. This is something that you should be interested in. We are living in the the days where biblical prophecies are being fulfilled, and they all move, if you read the Bible, all of these prophecies move to a culmination. They're not just events that are foretold in advance of them happening. They are events that are foretold for a couple of reasons. One, to show that God is in charge, to show that he raises up kings, he brings down kings. This can be very uh, helpful in our actual proving of God's existence, showing that the prophecies in the Bible, especially those, of course, that have already passed, it shows that God exists, that there is a greater power involved in human affairs that can't be just wished away by some intellectual that talks about the Bible and how it's a work of men. That's not a very uh, not a very um, confident argument when you look at some of these prophecies. And two, what prophecy does is it shows us how close we are to the coming of the Messiah. They all have an endpoint, these prophecies. And the endpoint is the coming of the Messiah, the real peace arrangement that's going to be worked out, not just between Israel and Arab states, but across the whole world, a peace that will be enforced by the Messiah. A time when everyone will be dwelling under his vine and his fig, fig tree. That is what we all want. That is what we all long for. Regardless of whether you're religious or not, that peace should be something that you want and long for. And so why not? Why not see how these biblical prophecies are leading to that event? Isn't that something that you would be interested in finding out about? And of course... Uh, we can prove that we are in the time of the end, we are in the latter day times where these prophecies are being fulfilled that lead to that that really important event, which is pictured by this next uh, holy day that's coming up just before Sukkot, Rosh Hashanah, as many, uh, many call it, the Feast of Trumpets, as it's called. Also, this is picturing this time, the, the earth-shaking event that is due to take place very soon, shortly. Now, we're in our next edition of the Watch Jerusalem Print magazine, we have an article in there by Christopher Reams, and it shows how we are close, very close, as much as we can determine just by looking at the dates, um, to the end of this six, first 6,000 years of mankind, mankind's existence. Mankind has been on the earth for 6,000. If you, if you are looking at news of the UAE's peace deal on an Israeli website, 
You'll probably notice that there's a couple of dates given. One of those is the probably the date on the Gregorian calendar, which shows that we're in 2020, which a crazy year it has been so far. But you'll see another date. I think we're still in 581 or something like that. And, and so you're off by about a couple hundred years. And this article shows by Christopher Eames in the next magazine, it proves that. It proves that this other dating system is off by a couple of hundred years. And, and Chris cites um, plenty of different rabbis historically and from today that, that know that's the case. But if you are one of those that believe we're in this other dating system, you can rest easy. You can relax. You, you're not looking at the Bible for prophetic events taking place because you've got another 200 years before the coming of the Messiah. But that's just not the case. That's not the case. We are very close. And the relationship we see building right now between Israel and the Arab states proves that we're close. And we'll be talking about that today. First of all, I want to take you to the press conference that just got done a couple hours ago between Netanyahu and Jared Kushner and I think one other, uh, O'Brien, I think another delegate from the United States. This is what the Prime Minister said at the beginning of that press conference. It would be a pleasure to host all of you in Jerusalem on any day, but it's a a special pleasure to do so today because tomorrow you will be on the first ever Israeli commercial flight to the UAE together with a high-level Israeli delegation. We're all thrilled by the pace, the swift pace of uh, normalization uh, between Israel and the UAE. Uh, Yesterday, the Emirates officially abolished the anachronistic boycott of the Jewish state. And this opens the door for what I can only call unbridled uh, trade, tourism, investments, exchanges between the Middle East, two most advanced economies. And you will see how the sparks fly on this. It's uh, already happening. The day will come, and it won't be far away, when we will ask, how could it have been any other way? Because today's breakthroughs will become tomorrow's norms. It will pave the way for other countries to normalize their ties with Israel. And so this is something that the Prime Minister is expecting and something that Jared Kushner even talked about when it was his turn to speak at the press conference, that there are more deals that are going to be worked out with other Arab states. And it's important that we look at which Arab states are coming closer to Israel. Of course, we had the flight, the direct flight to Khartoum from Tel Aviv. I think this was a week and a half ago by Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. And now you've got uh, Jared Kushner that is meeting with other Arab delegates from the Gulf states, from the GCC, the Gulf Cooperation Council. All these nations that are at odds with the Iranian regime. And this is one of the first points that it is important for us to notice about uh, what is happening here. We need to ask the question, is this a change in behavior between uh, Israel and the Arab states, marketing, marking sorry, a shift in the heart. Is this something that is going down to the deepest part of the Arabs and and them willing to accept Israel, accept the Jewish state because that there has been a change of heart? Of course, the Arab states for the longest time have have agreed to no relationship with the with the Jewish state and no relationship and the not liking uh, the Israelis in the Middle East. That has been their position, and yet that has changed over the last couple of years. Why has it changed? 
Well, of course, it has changed because of what the United States has done underneath President Trump, but also what the United States has done underneath President Obama. And a lot of commentators have noted this, how this relationship between Israel and the UAE, Israel and the Saudis, Israel and Bahrain, Israel and Sudan, Israel and Egypt, it's all about, or it had its, let's say it's germination, back when you had a United States that sought to elevate the enemy of all those states, Islamic, the Islamic State of Iran, raise Iran uh, up in the Middle East, empower Iran, and the, all the Arab states got worried. Israel got worried as well. And it's then that Israel started to have a closer relationship and closer ties with the Arab states because of the greater threat of the Islamic regime. This is something that the Prime Minister spoke about also. Here he is again. Of course, these uh, positive developments are not welcomed by everyone. While we seek progress and modernity, the tyrants of Tehran want to take us back to a dark age of theocratic medievalism. And if this murderous terrorist regime ever developed nuclear weapons or the means to develop it, they would promptly scuttle the peace and they would endanger the entire world. We must not let that happen. And we will not let that happen. I want to commend President Trump for standing up firmly to Iran, for abandoning the flawed and uh, dangerous JCPOA, for taking out such master terrorists as Qasem Soleimani, for triggering, triggering the snapback sanctions at the United Nations. And I will be discussing these matters and more with National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien. In opposing Iran's war machine, the United States is showing true global leadership. I note with satisfaction that, like Israel, countries of the Gulf Cooperation Council are now openly, and I stress the word openly, supporting the American position. They quietly and discreetly uh, supported the opposition to the JCPOA, but now they've come out and openly supported the American position, and this reflects a change in the making. I call upon all countries to get behind the United States in confronting Iranian aggression. I want to thank each of you for your hard work. I want to thank President Trump for his steadfast friendship and support. Our common goals of peace, prosperity, and security are at hand. And as we stand against the purveyors of terror and aggression, we also stand ready to till the fields of peace and bring its bountiful fruits to our people and to our entire international community, to the world. So certainly there, there is a lot of hope in the Prime Minister's speech, and I think that that is warranted, especially if you are, oh, for the past quarter century, quarter, uh, 25 years, 24 years, being having no uh, element or, or option of, of peace with another Arab state other than Egypt and Jordan. And even the relationship with Egypt and Jordan is really with the, with the king uh, of Jordan and then also with General uh, Abdel Fattah al-Sisi in, in Egypt. The people themselves, the Muslim Brotherhood, which is a huge political player in both Jordan and Egypt, they don't like this peace deal. They don't like Israel. Much of the populations of these countries aren't happy 
with the peace deals that their countries have with Israel. And, and it's probably so that there's a lot in the UAE that don't like it as well. Of course, the UAE is the easy one for Israel to have a peace rela- relationship with, a normalization with. You've got 10, only 10% of the population of the UAE is actually ethnically from there. The rest of the country are foreign immigrants, uh, workers that are brought in to work uh, work the work uh, in all the different sectors, technology sectors and such, um, construction sectors inside the United Arab Emirates. And so there's not a huge Arab population in that country. Now, if there was Saudi Arabia that was going to come out and, and champion a peace with Israel extremely loudly and talk about and try and re-educate their population about how Israel is not the pariah in the Middle East, how Israel and the Jews belong in the Middle East, how the Jew they're how they're actually brothers and how the Jews need to be there in the Middle East. They help the Middle East. That would be refreshing and that would be a change. That would be really something that would go back to kind of the way that Anwar Sadat was thinking back in the late 70s. He talked about that even as he came to speak in the Knesset and it ended up um, leading to his death, being assassinated by the Muslim Brotherhood inside Egypt. Because there's a huge population of Arabs that do not like Israel, but their leaders recognize that there is a need for peace with Israel, for normalization with Israel, for security reasons. That Israel is the strong uh, country in the Middle East and that the United States no longer wants to be in the Middle East. And so if they are going to be able to confront Iran, and Iran's doing all the pushing here, I mean, they, they might, it's, it's because Iran is the belligerent actor, the, Iran's on the offensive, that they must band together. The leaders recognize this. The leaders of the Arab states recognize this. And so that's why this is coming. You'll notice that inside that comment by Mr. Netanyahu, he said that the Arab states, they were quietly agreeing with the United States position under President Trump very early on, backing, backing President Trump with his pullout of the nuclear deal with Iran. And now they're doing it vocally. And this is significant. We do have the start of an alliance coming together in a very open way that the world can see, that the world can recognize uh, that is coming together to counter Iran's rise. Now, what's interesting about this alliance that Israel is now working out with the, other, uh, with the Arab states is it is prophesied. This is a prophesied alliance that we've been talking about for decades at Watch Jerusalem and at our sister publication, thetrumpet.com. We have been showing that we expect an alliance of moderate Arab states to come together including even Europe, and they are going to band together to, in the face of this threat of, of, a, of a belligerent, a radical Islamist Iran. Now, there are three points that I want you to uh, take away from this peace deal that Israel is working out with, with um, the United Arab Emirates. These are three biblically prophesied trends that we are watching for and we're seeing how these are being fulfilled through this through this peace deal. The first is that this peace deal is going to further radicalize the Middle East and it's going to push lots of radicals that would have um, perhaps stayed back a little bit, not acted and bided their time It's going to push those radicals in all different Arab states into the hands or into the arms of the Iranian regime. Now, if you look at the nations that were upset by this peace deal, there weren't many. There weren't many. There were two, though, that were very vocal from the region. 
The first was Turkey. The second was Iran. Now, Iran's a no-brainer. And for those in the region, Turkey's probably a no-brainer as well. The leader of Turkey, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, is not a fan of Israel. And he's been moving towards this position for a long time, uh, more becoming more anti-Semitic as time goes on. His power becomes more, um, or his, as his power is strengthened inside Turkey, he is championing the political Islamist view that there needs to be unity amongst the Arab states, unity amongst the Muslim states, and that he should be the one to lead this uh, unified Muslim world. And Israel is the outcast. Israel doesn't belong. And of course, this position is held by Iran as well. Iran hasn't tamped down its rhetoric against the state of Israel. They were furious by this deal because they see it as a relationship that is directly countering what they want to do in the Middle East. And so again, they're talking about how horrible this deal is. They're talking about how Israel is still the cancer that needs to be removed. They're talking about how the UAE stabbed Muslims in the back by this peace deal with Israel. Now, the Bible prophesies that there is only going to be one king of radical Islam, one king that wants to unite the whole Muslim Ammah, the whole Muslim community under its leadership. And the Bible says that that king is going to be Iran. It isn't going to be Turkey. And as as we do watch other Arab leaders perhaps sign on to these type of accords with Israel, we are going to see populations, the people themselves inside these nations get more and more upset. They've been told that Israel's the cancer in the Middle East. They've been fed anti-Semitic lies in the, in the, uh, all through their upbringing. And they've been told that once a land becomes Muslim, it can never go back from that. And it should be fought for if there is an occasion where such as the Jewish state comes in, that needs to be fought. That needs to be uh, counted. That's what they've been told if they're reading the Quran. And so you have populations that are willing or that do desire Israel to be gone from the region, even though their leaders might say that they want Israel to be there. And that's why you have you have this really interesting catch-22 where the prime minister of Israel really does want to trumpet these deals as being hugely significant, and they are, but the louder he claims there's more Arab states that lining up, you have Arab states disavowing that that's going to happen because they're concerned. They're concerned that their people are going to be upset. We've already had one Arab spring through the Middle East, and that was caused the toppling of, of autocrats through the Middle East that kept their Islamist populations at bay, that kept them down. You had the UAE, the Prince Crown Prince of the UAE, uh, MB, MBZ, they call him. He's come out and said, if there was democracy in the UAE, if there was democracy in the Arab states, you would have, you would have Islamist governments in power immediately. You just can't do that. We saw that back in the Arab Spring with Egypt. Well, Egypt has its first, its first free election ever, well, at least in a couple thousand years. What happens? They elect the Muslim Brotherhood, a Islamist organization that hated Israel, that strengthened ties with Iran. See, that's what's, that's what, that hasn't changed by this peace deal. You have Arab leaders that recognize the need for a strong security partnership with Israel, and you have Arab populations whose hearts 
are not changed. They remain against the state of Israel, the majority of them. And what we see with this, uh, with this peace agreement with Israel is that these are these. Um, we really see the seeds of a second Arab Spring. If we have these governments that are going to become stronger and stronger for Israel, the people are going to revolt, at least in some of these nations. And so this is the first point that I want you to recognize that we are going to have, while peace is announced between leaders and the state of Israel, we are going to have the populations of these Arab states become uneasy, more uneasy uh, with their autocratic rulers. And we expect a number of these Arab states to actually um, fall, not in the Gulf, but definitely Egypt. We expect Egypt to fall back under Muslim Brotherhood rule. But the Bible, as I said, indicates that Muslim Brotherhood leadership, while right now does come from Turkey, which Erdogan is supporting and Qatar is supporting, the only, the only king of this political Islamic movement is going to be in Iran, and they are going to answer to Iran. And so that's one point I want you to recognize in terms of how this might push along biblical prophecy. The others is that this peace deal comes in the background of the United States under President Trump wanting to extricate itself from the Middle East. President Trump is done fighting Middle Eastern wars. Why not create a strong alliance, a strong relationship in the Middle East where they can work it out for themselves? Yes, he is very strong against Iran. Certainly, he has been that way, pulled out of the JCPOA, the Iranian nuclear deal, increased sanctions on Iran, killed Qasem Soleimani, as Netanyahu said. Um, he's right now fighting very hard to increase the to extend the arms embargo against Iran, which would see Iran be able to get all conventional weapons uh, midway through October. He's going to stop that. And so he has been strong against Iran, but he still wants to remove U.S. forces. Uh, from the region. I just read a report, I think it was uh, two days ago, that said that the troops that are in Iraq right now, there's going to be 2,000, I think there's 5,500 there right now. American troops are going to come down by 2,000 by November, by the election. He's pulling out. And what better uh, situation to leave the Middle East in than with a peace agreement, a security relationship between Israel and the Gulf states so they can look after the region themselves with the United States arms, of course, but with the United States not there. The Bible prophesies that the United States is not going to be a player in the Middle East. All the biblical prophecies take place in the Middle East in the vacuum created by the United States exit. And while President Trump has been strong in Iran, he wants to get out. And this is the pathway he has created. Carolyn Glick, uh, one of the best uh, commentators, I think, in Israel, She wrote a piece for Israel Hayom, I think this was Friday, uh, and it's entitled, The Israeli Sunni Arab Bloc, The New Sheriff. What do you mean, the new sheriff? Who's the old sheriff? The old sheriff is the United States. The United States is going. It's pushing peace deals, of course, between between the Arab states and Israel, because that is the new sheriff. President Trump doesn't want to be there. He wants the Arab states and Israel to look after the area. And so he is creating this Sunni Israeli Arab bloc to do the defending of the Middle East, to look after themselves. And they are allies of the United States, of course. He's not abandoning them, but he is getting American troops out. And this is the way for him to do it. 
So that's the second prophetic tra- uh, prophetic um, element to this. The United States is using it to announce its exit from the Middle East. Now, the third one, and probably one of the most significant uh, prophetic implications of this deal, is that it is creating the Psalm 83 alliance. This is an alliance we've talked about for a couple of decades. Our editor-in-chief, Mr. Gerald Flurry, has written in his book, The King of the South, about this alliance. And it's an alliance that, if you look at it, all the nations that are in it, in Psalm 83, that are mentioned, the ancient names, they are on the opposite end to Iran. They are nations right now that do not like Iran. They are nations that have had to fight against Iran and who are actively working to limit Iran's influence in their countries. Iran, of course, is always trying to interfere in the Gulf states, sometimes through Shiites that are living there, sometimes even through the Muslim Brotherhood that are living there, and other times just sending over weapons, firing missiles, using drones, as we saw take place earlier this year against Saudi Arabia. And so you've got in the Psalm 83 alliance a number of nations. Included in these nations are the United Arab Emirates, is Saudi Arabia, is Jordan, is actually Lebanon and Syria, and that's another element that we expect. We expect those nations, actually Iran, to lose power in those nations. And then Turkey. Right now, Turkey is trying to play the middle ground. Of course, it doesn't like Iran, but it also is championing radical Islam. And the other Gulf states aren't doing that. And so we expect Turkey to eventually fall in line. But what's interesting about this alliance is that if you read Psalm chapter 83, and how about I just read a couple of uh, verses here from Psalm 83. This is verse 3 and 4. It says, They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, Come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel be no more in remembrance. And so you have these nations, and you can look to uh, verses, I think it's uh, four to or five to eight, which goes through who these who this alliance is, talking about it being the Ishmaelites, Moab, Hagarines, Gebal, Ammon, Amalek, all these areas, if you look from Turkey going straight through from Turkey through Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, uh, down into the to the Arabian Peninsula, all those nations are going to form an alliance against Iran, and they're they're coming together right now with Israel, though. And so Israel in this prophecy of Psalm 83, they are not mentioned as a nation that is with them. In fact, they are mentioned as the nation that this Psalm 83 alliance is actually going to attack. And so this is why this this peace deal, while it looks like on the surface that it's something wonderful for Israel, it's actually something that should be uh, a sign of danger, if you would believe your Bible. Because there has been no change of the heart of these nations They are only coming together with Israel because the United States is going to leave the region and they need to be assured of protection against Iran. But the Bible says that eventually it's not going to be Iran that's the greatest worry for the Jewish state. It's going to be these very same nations that Israel is starting to align with. And this is something that you definitely need to to understand the the broader picture here. Again, I, I fully understand that 
Israel is is rejoicing. I mean, in the aftermath of this deal, it's like for one or two days, the state of Israel came together as a unified nation once again. I mean, there wasn't much... There, there were some people that were trying to paint it in a negative light and how this was just politicking by the prime minister, but there was there was actually a piece from the Haaretz editorial board that came out and publicly corrected some of its writers for saying that this deal wasn't a big deal. They said, it is a big deal. This is wonderful. And then you had uh, Ben Caspit, just a biographer of Netanyahu, a notorious anti-Netanyahu critic, coming out and saying that this was a wonderful deal and he deserved to be congratulated. You had Ehud Olmert, who normally uses his column in the Jerusalem Post to bash, like huge columns, like thousands and thousands of words, to bash the prime minister, saying that this was an act of true statesmanship. It seemed like everyone in Israel raised their heads from the internal bitter divisions that exist right now. Even some of the even some of the riots against the prime minister stopped for a couple of days. And they recognized that something great was going on. And yet now we're back to the riots, as we saw last night, 20,000 people just outside the prime minister's residence uh, in Jerusalem. But it was like this deal did offer hope and that this deal was something to be celebrated. And I understand that for sure. However, the Bible says that these deals with the Arab states are actually allowing Israel or leading Israel and the leadership of Israel into a false sense of security about the actual intentions of these states. The Bible indicates and says quite starkly, not even indicates, based on Psalm 83, that these Arab states have a desire to blot out the name of Israel, to blot it out, to even blot out this nation, the Jewish state, from being a people. That will be their end time, their, 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 their goal in the end. And what's also indicated here in this psalm is that this is a deceitful relationship. This is, they take crafty counsel one to another. This is not something that Israel is going to expect. They're going to expect their relationship with these states to continue. But if you look at the chronology here of these events, and if you read our book on the King of the South, you'll understand this chronology quite well. You'll see that these very nations that Israel is siding with, they will fight against the King of the South. They will fight against a radical Islamic empire that, that Iran is trying to build, and they will be very successful in that. They are going to defeat, and of course, with the help of Europe, as I said at the beginning. This alliance here in Psalm 83 also includes Asher, which is biblical Assyria, which we've discussed and proved to be the modern nation of Germany. And so you're going to have a German uh, alliance with these Arab states. They are going to come down and take care of the radical Islamist uh, kingdom, the king of the south, which is Iran. And then what are they going to do? Then they're going to take crafty counsel with each other, and talk about, while we're here, we're going to take care of the Jewish state. That's what Psalm 83 is about, and Psalm 83 is one that, while we think of the Psalms as being poetic, this is actual prophecy. It's a prophecy that has not ever been fulfilled. Look, look in the history books, look in any commentary. You can't see an alliance of these nations coming together to fight against, uh, to fight against Israel ever. And so we know it is for the end time. We know it's for the latter days. 
and it is going to be used against the Jewish state. Now, this is what your Bible foretells. Now, these prophecies, they show that that long-term peace will not come in the Middle East through this deal and other deals with the Jewish state and Arab states when they're just coming together, main reason to counter Iran. What happens when that Iranian threat goes? Well, Psalm 83 tells us what happens. But there is some comfort in knowing those prophecies. In knowing these prophecies, it does give us the chance to look to God as our creator and the all-knowing one who has forecast these events thousands of years in advance, to know that he is real, that he has a plan, that he has a purpose through all of this, and to know that that purpose is coming to pass. This isn't just something that prophesies destruction of the Jewish state. This actually shows that you know, we're getting towards the time when, when this whole world if you believe the prophecies in your Bible, is going to experience war. This is coming everywhere. But there is a time frame for it. If you read the book of Daniel, it talks about at the end there, right in the last chapter, about these certain periods of how many days, and it says you're blessed if you wait till this day or that day. And it shows that there is an end point. This isn't going to be um, some type of, as you see on the movies, a war that happens that ends when this really... Um, weird post-apocalyptic period, there is going to be a time of hardship, extreme hardship. But after that, as I said, we have the fulfillment of the Feast of Trumpets, the fulfillment of, of, as many call, Rosh Hashanah, which announces the Messiah's coming. And that is the purpose of prophecy. One of the main purposes of prophecy is to prepare us for that event, To know that that event is at the door, and if that event is at the door, what should we be doing in our lives in terms of preparations for it? Now, to get just a greater insight into these prophecies, prophecies that are being fulfilled and where they're leading to, you really need to take time to not just listen to a a small radio program or a small podcast or even read an article. You need to take time to open your Bible and read alongside uh, a book called The King of the South. And this is about 100 pages, something like that. It's, it's something that you can readily, easily understand. It's something that you can not just look at in context of what your Bible says, but also watch it on the news and know what's happening when you see Lebanon go up in flames. Know what's happening when you see peace deals between the Arab states or the Psalm 83 alliance and Israel. To know what's happening when you see the United States, though it favors the state of Israel right now, preparing for its exit from the region. You can know that all these events are actually prophesied in your Bible, and then you can know where that is leading to. This isn't just a war that is going to go on indefinitely. These are events of our day that God intends us to understand. Why deliver prophecy in the Bible if it's not intended to be understood at some point? It was sealed up, it says, in the book of Daniel for a certain amount of time, and even he didn't understand it. And yet it has been revealed for our understanding today. Or why would God put it in there? You can understand. You can understand. There's no reason why you can't. Please do request this book, The King of the South. All our books and booklets and magazines, they're free. We'll send them to you wherever you are in the world. Don't just read it online. Really sit down with your Bible and this book. And this is something that you can prove to yourself 
You've got the intellect to do it. You've got the ability. Of course, if we're humble enough to actually believe what the Bible says, then God will give us the understanding to understand his prophecies. And in that, there is lots of hope. Again, the book is called King of the South. Please request it. Just go to or write an email to letters at watchjerusalem.co.il with your address. And uh, we'll send you the book, The King of the South, for free. Or you can just go to the website, of course, and hit the literature tab on the right-hand side at the very top and put in your own details of where we can send you this book again for free. Thank you very much for listening today. If you have comments or anything else, topics you want discussed on the program, or tips of archaeological discoveries you think are interesting, please do email us at letters at watchjerusalem.co.il. Have a good week.